Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Welcome to Off the Post. No fancy music today. No Anthony Mingione. It's not because Ant, it's me, my crazy schedule. So we couldn't sync up the three of us this week. But it's me and Mike. Michael Jello, how are you, Mike? Good morning, Russ. Uh, I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, I can understand. It's a Saturday morning edition after a crushing loss last night. Uh, I had a feeling those the blooms on the trees would be a little uh, little bit brighter this morning for the Washington Capitals, the cherry blossoms. Uh, look, I mean, it wasn't an easy game, and Justin Williams is one of those clutch players, but I know... Um, you got a lot to talk about with this one, so let's hear it. Well, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's, I'm not as disappointed as a great deal of Leafs Nation is today because I came into the series with realistic expectations, thinking that the Caps were going to win in five. I didn't think it was going to be a sweep. So, I mean, even if the Leafs lose tomorrow, uh, tomorrow night in Toronto, I think they've had a very successful season. That being said, they really missed opportunities last night for power plays. Um, their power play was second in the league uh, during the regular season. And early in the series, you know, was having trouble getting on track. Then Bozak scores that goal in game three, and, you know, things were better. But last night, on the road, in a tight game, you get four chances on the power play. And for the first two, they didn't really didn't have any, any good opportunities. And, yeah. and in the other two, they didn't, they didn't cash in. And Holpe was on. It was a playoff type of really tight game. And that was the first one of those in the series. I think that sort of played into Washington's favor because I think they're built for the tight playoff game with, you know, plays against the wall and things of that nature. I think the, the sort of the Leafs played into their hands playing that type of game. Yeah. You know, it's um, it's one of these games now where special teams, it's not one of these games, it's the time of the year where special teams <clears throat> really, uh, really matters. It matters more than ever before. And you really have to take hold and take advantage. And if you don't against a team like the Capitals with a Holt being net, you know, I mean, you held them down to, to two goals. That That's a pretty big deal. You would hope that you'd win the game with that, but this time of the year, anything could happen. I mean, Austin Matthews got his third goal. I mean, that's that's pretty tremendous for, for a rookie to be doing that well in the playoffs. I mean, that's, that's, that's the positive thing. You know, now I think we're all expecting the inevitable. But, again, the Leafs have hung – hung on really well this series, and I think they they are learning things as they go on. Will they take another one? Maybe. But even if they don't, I think I think this is still pretty successful for them. Yeah, I mean, as a learning experience, I, I agree. I mean, I think, as I said, I think this is an educational process for the players and for the management. Yes. Because 
you look at what Washington has done over the last couple games, they are really concentrating their fire on being physical against Jake Gardner and Morgan Riley because they're carrying the puck most of the time. And if you have to depend on, you know, Connor Carrick or Martin Marinson, uh, you know, Nikita Zaitsev is coming into the series a little banged up. If you have to depend more on the depth of the Leafs defense, you're in trouble because there isn't a lot of depth on, on that defense. And you saw Ovechkin last night, you know, lay out Gardner twice. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think that's not a mistake. I think they're they're concentrating on Gardner and Riley, and they're going to make them feel pain uh, deeper and deeper as as the series goes. No doubt. Now, I did want to mention just to shoehorn it in for our Flyers fans. They're probably aware that the Lehigh Valley Phantoms lost one nothing. Great game by Alex Lyon, but they lost in overtime. You don't see. I don't know. You cover a lot more AHL than I do these days. But you don't you don't see a lot of one nothing games in the AHL. No, you don't. Uh, I know that I was tracking the the Marlies in their first round matchup against Albany on Thursday, and they they got shut out by Mackenzie Blackwood and the Albany Devils. So, uh, but yeah, usually yeah. it's more wide open. And uh, I mean, maybe they're taking a cue from the NHL. Although I, 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 it's not my imagination. I almost perceive that the. The, the playoffs this year are a little more wide open than they were in previous years. It's not as much 2-1 games unless you're the Nashville Predators playing right. Chicago. No, it's true. Uh, I mean, I, I think that's that's fair. The the interesting thing about the, the Hershey game, and then I'll get off it, is Phoenix Copley got the win. And if you remember, mm. we talked about it on trade deadline day, how Washington just managed to pick him back up in a deal. Yeah, and that might be valuable for them if Grubauer is one of the three or four goaltenders that George McPhee yep. picks up in the expansion draft because Grubauer is inexpensive and he knows him from his previous stint as Capitals GM. So, you know, Copley could maybe step in as the number two for Holtby next year. <laughs> yeah, he, he might be able to do that. And and I think I think that's exactly why they went and got him. Okay, so... Now we talk about the Bruins Senators, which seem to be frustrating for a lot of Bruins fans. I guess, end of the day, they still don't give the Sens a lot of credit. I did not get to see most of this game, but on my way back from a concert, I did manage to watch the second overtime while waiting for a subway. So that's good modern technology there that I was able to watch on my phone, and see Sean Corrales get that goal. Now, his second goal of the game, he's now got more goals in the playoffs than he does in his NHL career. Uh, it's one of those things. I, you know, I watched Corrales at, at Miami in college. He, he was a very good player. But sometimes it take, takes guys a little while. He's 24. Will this be a big deal for him? Yeah, it will be. Will, will it mean that he's everlasting in the league? Maybe not. You know, he he could turn into Michael Rupp, except Michael Rupp won a Stanley Cup with his. But you know what I mean? It's just this is the playoffs. Like this is, we we always expect these big names to do it, and then I always say it's usually not the big names. And but the big thing in this game was you saw Eric Carlson in that second overtime getting looked like his ankle <clears throat> massaged after he took a lengthy time off on the bench. First, he was squatting up and down. So he, he, he's he got a problem, Mike, and that doesn't bode well for 
for the Senators? No, I mean, the Senators could win this series, and based on the depleted state of the Bruins, they, they'd lose David Krejci, and yep. I would be surprised if Krejci plays the rest of the season because it was similar it was similar to the hit that Kadri put on Ovechkin, but Ovechkin came back, and I, I don't think yeah. it was a knee-on-knee type of thing. But with with Ovechkin and Kadri, it was more of a hip to the upper leg. But with 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 Krejci and his history of injury problems, I would be surprised if he comes back. But you know, the the Bruins did. I mean, they battled through some. I think pretty bad officiating. Honest, honestly, the the video review on Corrales what should have been overtime winner, and I think it was in the first overtime. Um, it was incidental contact with Corrali and Craig Anderson. I mean, he was going mm-hmm. to the net. The defenseman made contact. He continued on. His contact had nothing to do with the puck going into the net. It was then knocked by a senator's defenseman, and then a Bruin followed up and pushed it over the goal line. I, I mean, honestly, it's like it's tough enough to score goals in this league as it is, and you're going to take them away for uh, for things like that, where it's completely subjective. It's not offsides where he's either offsides or onsides. It's whether his contact was detrimental to the goaltender, and I didn't think it was, but they erred on the side of caution, and you know, then Corrali scores later in the second overtime, but. Yeah, I don't. I just, you know, I picked the Bruins in this series, and I thought they had a chance. And the only chance that they have is after Carlson plays forty plus minutes last night in double overtime, that you know his foot or his ankle seizes up. But I have a feeling he'll be out there for Game Six. Oh, he'll be out there, but yeah, you know, I don't know. I, yeah. He he was pretty frustrated. He he smashed the stick on the uh, on the crossbar, which I always love. I I'm a big fan of. Smashing the stick as hard as you can <laughs> over the crossbar and just seeing how far it could fly. Like, why not? I, I like that. Sure. But he was, you know, he, he was mad. I mean, there's no question he was frustrated. And so at the end of the day, we'll see just what he could actually do when when the next game comes around. But exciting games. Now we'll talk about a little off-the-ice action. So we, we watched the... Pugula press conference yesterday. I don't think we learned anything, Mike. I think the only thing we learned is there's going to be a search. The only thing we learned is, yes, there's going to be a search, and the search is going to be led by Terry and Kim Pugula. And for Sabres fans, I think that that is a warning sign because, I mean, the, the thing that I took from the press conference more than anything is, you know, he was, I, he was evasive, but I, I will forgive him that because, you know he's got every right to be, and if there's no determining of where what direction they're going to go, then he should be evasive. Yes. But the fact that he said that he was not involved as much as he would have liked in the in the decision to hire Tim Murray and to hire Dan Bilesma strikes strikes me as you know he's going to be very hands on. Yeah, and and he's not. You know, he's not a sports expert. He's an oil and gas man. He's a billionaire. He's a great businessman. But I think the move should be for them to go out and get a team president who knows what the hell they're doing, he's a hockey man, and then hire the general manager and coach. But I don't get the impression that that's the direction that Pavula is going. No, and the the tough part about this is we'll see just how quickly and efficiently he could put together a staff and – how quickly and efficiently they make decisions that teams 
or you know, spend the whole year trying to make. And so, and some of them are done, like scouting reports are done. Maybe their board is half done or or even three quarters done. But the under 18s are still going on, so it's probably not finished. But then you have to trust the the previous staff, and we'll see if this new staff trusts trusts what you know the guys in place are doing. Uh, they probably will. But again, even with just the the guys you have to protect, I mean that's that's going to be something where they may not trust who's there because you got rid of the pro scouting guy, and when you get rid of the pro scouting guy, he's the guy who sort of helps you with that. I don't know. Well, it's ironic. The the expansion draft is literally two months from yesterday, from Friday. So, and the draft is two days after that. So, if you take a two or three week three week time frame to put your search together, to hire you know either a president or a general manager, and then the GM having to hire a coach might take a week or so longer. I mean, you're talking about a month or five weeks before the draft. So, I mean, whoever comes in is going to be at a significant disadvantage. And he's going to have to base most of his determinations in the draft on the scouting of scouts who may not be with the organization anymore. I mean, depending on what they decide to do with the scouting staff. And, you know, we already know that they've relieved the pro and amateur scouting directors. So we don't know what they're going to do. But to me, that's, that's a recipe for chaos. It could be, and I, I hope for Sabres fans' sake it won't be that way, but I don't know. We'll see. I mean, of course, the owner has the best of intentions, but sports is a tough business. It's like it's really not like a normal functioning business, and and I've learned that over the years, and there are certain guys that understand the formula and everything behind it. And you just, you know, go look at, you know, Jeffrey Lurie, the Eagles owner, you know, he, he talks about it all the time. Every couple of years, he has this kind of press conference. Now we're going to do it this way. It's going to be right. I've got my hands and, you know, they haven't won a Super Bowl. They've been to one. In his in his tenure, and they've been to some championship games, but and that's more successful right now than than Pugula has been. But again, it's hard, and so we'll see. And and the one thing Pugula did say is only one team wins the Stanley Cup. He's right about that, and that does sort of make it a little difficult. So we'll we'll move on from that. I do want to wish everybody a happy Earth Day. I do. Uh, I I think that um, science is important, and I'll. I'll leave it at that. So Jonathan Dolan signed his uh, his pro deal now with the Canucks, coming off a of great World Juniors. He's getting closer. Yeah, well, I mean, I, just focusing on the Canucks, I, I I have to be a little more optimistic about their future based on the fact that they finally realized at the deadline the direction that they needed to go. Um, I didn't like the dismissal, the dismissal of Lloyd Desjardins because I think he's right. a good coach, but and and we don't know what direction they're going to go for a new head coach. But at least they got Goldobin and they got Dolan in the trade mm-hmm. for Yannick Hansen and for Alex Burrows. They got a couple young guys who could conceivably be in their lineup 
you know, their starting lineup opening night next year. And with the preponderance of veterans that they still have, you know, they're still and that, and, that, and I'm saying stuck with it. You know, mm-hmm. they're still good players, but they're still stuck with yeah. The team and those big contracts. And I don't think, you know, I, I'm still a little hesitant to see whether they're going to go fully for the youth movement and the rebuild, or if they're going to still play this sort of half in half out game, or they're going to try to make the playoffs. When, I mean, I think that teams like Edmonton even though it took a long time, and Toronto have shown the blueprint of where teams need to go. You need to get bad for a couple of years, make hit hit home runs on your dra- on your top draft picks, get a little lucky, and if you do, you have a chance to be a really good team for a decade. Yeah, no question about it. And and I think I, I think things will go the right way for the Canucks and I actually think they have more pieces than some other teams out there. And so Dolan is one of those pieces. It's a nice one to have. And so I'm, I, you know, I, I have some hopes for them for down the line. You know, Jake Bertanen's doing a little better now. I think he will come around eventually. So I, I, you know, I think things will happen for them. But moving on, we've got some games tonight. Well, actually today, three o'clock, Blues Wild. I don't think this series is over. I think Minnesota at home they have a boisterous crowd. I think I think their goaltending for Minnesota has I think Dubnik has has regrouped. And I kinda wonder now. I, I kinda think that uh they got a they got a chance at this one. Well, I mean I picked the wild in the series. Um I Me was too. I was skeptical of Saint Louis's ability, even though they in the last six weeks of the regular season they played Fantastic! They 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 make the Shattenkirk deal. I think they got probably got a little mad that everybody was saying now they're done, and you know I think they yeah. lost two two games down the stretch. And Jake, I mean the difference here has been Jake Allen. Jake Allen, in the, in, especially in Game One, was phenomenal, and he's I think been the better of the two goalies. And I don't think anybody would have thought that Dubnik would lose out to Allen in the series, but you know Dubnik played better in Game Four. It's just, it's a, it's such a tight series, Ross. So that's the thing. It's like the you know the games are not decided by three or four goals, right. one goal. So you know maybe the Wild can extend the series, but it would obviously be something for the record books again if they if the Blues blow a three nothing lead and lose the series. So I'm interested in long in longer series and more hockey. So I'm rooting for the Wild. <laughs> no, but I think I think the Wild are actually in good standing for this game. We'll see. We'll see if if Jake Allen has that killer instinct. We'll see if the Blues step on their throat. This probably smells like an overtime game. I know that seems like a great prediction and a really bold one considering all these games are going to overtime, but it just seems that way. All right. So we move on, and we're looking at Rangers-Canadians. So the, the Rangers have a chance to close it out at MSG. And I can give you every cliche, every one, every single, yeah, oh, they're home, and Lundquist and the crowd and, and MSG and and everything, and I don't know if they're closing this game out. I don't. I mean, I'm, and it's not about Lundquist. Lundquist has been great all series. I just don't know if this team can play loose enough, the Rangers team, on home ice. I know they won a game. But now this is a game they can close out. And 
I've seen situations where the Rangers have been at home. Uh, game seven against Tampa comes to mind. They couldn't close out. So I'm probably drawing upon that. So, I, you know, I look at this, Mike, and i got to think that Julian will fix what he did wrong in the last game because he definitely made a few mistakes. I think someone like Radulov will probably try and be a factor early at least. This is going to be another another really close game, and this wouldn't shock me if this game goes in overtime too. Matter of fact, it probably should because it starts at eight o'clock, which means it starts at eight twenty, which means then you know we'll be up until like two in the morning. So it just seems right, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it, this game is going to prevent me from going out for a late dinner. I have a yeah. I have a feeling. Um, but no, I mean look at game four. Um, the Rangers win two to one. I mean, it was a, it was a tight game all the way through. That's probably you know based on how the, their lack of success at home this year is what Vigneault drew up. And they were they were more they were more physical when they had the line matchups that they wanted at, on at home. But then in Game Five, I think Montreal sort of overdid it. I think they were whipped up by their home crowd. And I mm-hmm. thought they took some stupid penalties and some liberties. And, uh, you know, the Rangers didn't let themselves get pushed around, but I don't think they responded as much as Montreal wa- sort of wanted them to to take, take, take them off their game. I mean, the one thing that's a positive for the Rangers here is the fact that Miller, uh, Kreider, and Stepan really haven't stepped up in the first five games of the series, and they're still leading. And Lundquist, and you said a bunch of times before the playoffs that his career numbers were not good against Montreal. Well, he has not been the problem no. at all. No. So those I think are in the in the Rangers' favor. Obviously, they need to get up early in this game, get the crowd whipped up because if Montreal scores early, you know the MSG, you know if they're down one or two nothing, it's it'll be like a morgue. It will be. It's, and that's a great point. I mean, Chris Kreider has to stop missing open nets or start hitting the net. <laughs> I mean, they did get a game winner because he couldn't get a shot through, but luckily it went right to Zabanajad. Uh Derek Stepan has to wake up. A lot of guys do, as we, we talked about yesterday on the Buzzcast. But it's just, end of the day, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this one yet. It's early on a Saturday morning, so I have time. But I can see me overeating for this game. I can see me sitting there at... 12:30, watching this game still, knowing that the Sharks Oilers is going on and not watching that, just flipping to that. So I, I don't know, but this is a big day of hockey. I mean, right now, uh, Finland and Russia are playing in the under 18s, and U.S. Sweden will be later at 1:30. That'll be a heck of a game. Uh, if people want to see Timothy Liljegren, watch that game. That's turn the NHL Network. Stop being lazy and watch the game, and then stop asking me, why is he dropping? Do you think he's dropping? Do you think? No, watch the game, and then you'll see a a heck of a defenseman, a really terrific, smart defenseman who's going top ten, and, you know, I just did put out my new rankings up on Sportsology, and people can go and check it out and see where I have them ranked, but the idea is just, just stop with the rhetoric of, what other people are sort of just saying or one person says and everybody copies, 
Watch it for yourself. Well, I'll tell you something. I'm, a, I'm strangely, I'm a little more excited about the draft this year than last year in the sense that there is going to be movement. Last year, yeah. you knew, you know, Toronto was not trading out of number one. Winnipeg was not trading out of number two. For you knew it was going to be Matthews and Line A. The only sort of uh, surprise was Dubois going third to Columbus, but it was pretty much cookie cutter. I mean, you, until, yeah. the only one, the only surprise was Chikrin falling. Uh, down into the middle of the first round. Right. In this draft, I mean, you don't really know after number one, it's probably going to be Nolan Patrick, but you really don't know who the number two is, although it's probably going to be he sheer. Yep. And then there is so much, you know, there's so many mock drafts and draft nicks and ratings that have everybody all over the place. And the thing that I'm interested in is, is teams, if they like a player, they're going to be able to trade up into the, lower bottom, the bottom half of the top 10 or in, into the yeah. early teens. So that's why I think it's going to be good. Well, and the, the interesting thing about this draft is there's still a lot of players, a lot of good players. And the under 18s a lot of times gets too much play in a way because guys just rock it through and, and just shoot up the rankings like Scott Lawton did and, you know, Scott Lawton's never really caught on yet. So that happens sometimes. So you have to sort of temper things, too. It is just one tournament. You have to put that one in context with everything else you've seen from a player. And that's and that's the, the tricky part. But it's an important tournament, don't get me wrong, because it's the best talent you can put out there right now. So, but again, like, like Miro Heiskanen, he jumped up a ton on my list. Now, for good reason. I mean... Defensemen don't grow on trees. This draft uh, was probably a couple months ago looking like they didn't have a ton of first-round defensemen, and a few more have, have moved in there. And so that's, to me that's exciting because that's when you start to realize that the, and I'll just use it the term, you know, the fake news term, when people want to say, well, it's not that deep a draft, you know, that's when that stuff starts to turn. And and I think I think that's happening in this draft, and that's where I think all of a sudden you know because I I was able to put together 45 pretty easily, and I you know I could do more. I don't go beyond that. I don't. There are people that do 100. I don't do 100. But I'm just saying, there's a lot of guys. Yeah, I think where where this draft will fall short will be sort of that instant gratification where like you uh-huh. know, we're, we're used to seeing McDavid in there as an 18-year-old, seeing Matthews as a 19-year-old first year right after the draft. You know, you may see Nolan Patrick depending on what team he gets drafted by. Right. But it's not it's not a guarantee if he gets drafted by a team that just missed, you know, if it's like a a team like Philadelphia or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, who is not bad off up the middle and they think he could do with another year of junior the number one pick could go back to the whl right and i you know this year we've had a great rookie class but i you know i would say that more than likely the calder winner next year is going to be somebody drafted in 2015 or 2016 and uh, and not in the 2017 draft so i mean that that it's more of a basic draft than there has been in the in the recent years but that doesn't mean it's not going to be good and you're not they're not going to be good players to come out of it no doubt, no doubt, and, and I think that's <clears throat> that's important to to note. I think you said that well, 
And so we'll see. We'll see how things develop in the next couple of months. But the other thing is, and I think, you know, we brought this up on the Buzzcast and I'll bring it up again, the World Championships has now been a place to sort of watch some of these guys. Because now all of a sudden, younger players are playing in the World Championships. Remember Patrick Line, the World Championships helped him and it really helped Jesse Pierre and I think it also, I mean, it also helped Austin Matthews in the sense that... Well, in Toronto it helped him. I don't know if it helped anywhere else, because everybody knew already. Right, <laughs> right. It, it, it quelled the nervousness of the, of the Maple Leaf fan yeah. base to actually see him uh, and see him playing against NHL players and, you know, dominating. And then, yeah. obviously, the World Cup, he did the same thing. So, yeah, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it, you know, the World Championships, you know, there are going to be some players who are, you know, KHL guys or free agents that might intrigue NHL teams. And But the whole landscape of everything going on right now with, you know, those NHL not going to the Olympics, I think, has clouded things. And, you know, you saw this week uh, Trey Mock and the, the uh, Canucks defense and go back to the KHL. Yep. There's probably going to be more stories like that happening. So, I don't know, internationally everything is sort of convoluted. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I get messages all the time, and <clears throat> I had the information up pretty early yesterday about the uh, the Russian signings, and, you know, I wake up today, and there's there's more information for me, and I'm, I appreciate it. I do. People, people want to get the word out. They want to help out these players, I think, and so the information I got today was Berezgalov, or, yeah, Bereglazov. Sorry, I screwed that up yesterday, I think. Um, he's going to join Team Russia's camp in a few days, so he's going to go, or at least he's trying to go, I guess, to the uh, World Championships. And, yeah, he, and then after that, he will, um, he will go with his wife to, the, to New York. And, and the interesting thing is the Rangers contacted him six months ago, and... I don't post everything that I get, and you and I had been talking about this, and you even said to me, I thought this was dead, <laughs> and I had to write back, it's not dead, and I guess this is why, because it, it, it started, and then it died down, and then it happened again, and I think that's the case for a lot of these guys now. If they don't think they can make the Olympic team, then they are going to come to the States, but if they think they can make the Olympic team, and, and I did confirm this with, with somebody over in Russia that, yeah, there's a lot of guys now that wanted to come over that are now waiting. Yeah, and I know that for a fact that Toronto, uh, it, it, it's been reported since November that uh, a, a forward for Akbar's Kazan named Vladimir Kachev, uh, yeah. I think 23 years old, and had a really good year for them, uh, that the Leafs have had him in their sort of in their sights and there was a lot of talk about him coming over. But as soon as the Olympic announcement was made, that the, no, there's been silence on that. Now, maybe that's, you know, maybe it's still on. And like, uh, and I, I'll mispronounce his name because I've, I've heard it pronounced Baraglazov. So I don't know. Then I'll wait until it's, I hear somebody else. I know. <laughs> I tried both. I did my yeah. best. So, but but with Katya, with Kachev, I mean the, the Leafs are are going to be looking for for help, especially on defense. You know he's a forward, but you know you may not hear that move until after the the, the season is completed. But it 
it's not guaranteed that he's coming over. It's not guaranteed that Antipin, the defenseman, who's been rumored to go to the Sabres, is coming over. Everything, I think, is delayed by a year because of this Olympic announcement. And it's not the end of the world, but you know, for teams like Buffalo who need to solidify their defense, yeah. you know, that was probably a wound to the heart that they weren't going to be able to bring him over. Yeah, no, I think they were they were counting on it. I don't have any inside information, but I think they probably were counting on it or hopeful, let's say. Nobody's ever counting on getting a Russian player until they actually come over, but but I think hopeful. But the the interesting thing about it is in the past, and really up, up until the last world championship, for people in the States, and we'd always argued it, it's a bit of a snooze fest. For people over in Europe, they love it. Now, people in the States are way more interested because of all these developments. You know, last year you had Matthews and a lot of other guys that we just detailed and now this year, I think I think the Russian Hockey Federation's waving the carrot to get everybody into camp, preach their message, don't go to the NHL, and then only 23 guys can make it, like Kevin said, Kevin Allen. You know, but some of those guys are going to hold off on plans, hoping that they make the team. Yeah, and I guess that the signing of of Berglasov is is indicative of the fact that he doesn't think he has a chance to make the 23. Right. I'm just I'm just surprised that like with the edict that came out of Russia regarding you know let's try to bring over all the RFAs and UFAs back over so they can play in the Olympics. Um, you know how I mean maybe there is going to be a sort of negative reaction about players who defy that and still go over to North America or stay in North America. I mean I'm waiting for the Nikita Zaitsev um, announcement of the extension, and it's probably going to happen after the season is over with because that's what the Leafs did last year. But until you hear it's signed, it's done, there should be a little bit of nervousness on the part of NHL teams, including Toronto, about these players just saying, I'm going to go back and play for Mother Russia. Right. and But, you know, I, I happen to think there's some propaganda going on here. I do, and and they're trying to capitalize it on this over there, and so we'll see. It's it's a developing story. We'll we'll certainly keep an eye on it. The last game that we need to talk about is Oilers Sharks. Edmonton has a chance to close it out at the Shark Tank. I don't think they're going to do it. I think the Sharks will empty the tank tonight, literally, just to win this game. Yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be very tough for a young Edmonton team. I mean, there are some veterans on that team, but for overall sure. a young Edmonton team to win there, and San Jose is gonna be playing with a level of desperation, obviously, because I think their goal, even though they had, even though they slumped down the stretch, I still think their goal was to get back to where they were last year and get another kick at the can, especially with some older players like Thorne and Marlowe with their contracts up. Um, but yeah, I think I think it's going to go back to Edmonton. I, I I just put myself in the place of the Anaheim Ducks. They're probably sitting there. They're going to be sitting in Southern California watching this game and just hoping it goes to quadruple overtime, and then San Jose wins and it forces a game seven, and that these two teams just beat the crap out of each other because they're going to play them in a, in, a, in less than a week. Um, and I think against either one of them, I think Anaheim is the favorite, not overwhelmingly on San Jose because San Jose has got experience, but I, I, I think Anaheim is, you know, they're in the catbird seat and they're just, they're watching and enjoying. Yeah. Yeah. No question. Uh, 
So we'll see. We'll see how these games go. Uh, we'll do a couple quickie loose pucks uh, on this one. Um, first one is yeah, I went to a Zeg concert last night, and I wore the the Vegas hoodie that I wear on the show a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And and somebody stops me and they, and they said, "Is that is that for the Vegas team?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And then so we start talking, and you know, it turns out kids fired up to see what happens in the expansion draft, and he's a Flyers fan. I said, well, you may not be excited until you find out who the Flyers lose, and we get into a conversation, and it's, you know, then I'm like, well, you might lose Neuberth. He goes, well, I think they're going to keep Stolarz. He might be right, and I said, yeah, I mean, you know, never know. I mean, Stolarz had an injury. Maybe they don't keep him, and we start talking hockey for like five minutes. You know, my wife rolls her eyes, and we go to the concert, (laughs) but it just shows you the power of like the excitement of the new team in the NHL, but also that hockey, even though it may be that niche regional sport, the people who love it, love it. And and that's the part that never ceases to amaze me. Like, you know, I even when I was a basketball fan, I would never, ever get stopped on the street and talk basketball with anybody. Now, if you live in New York City, yes, it's going to happen. Although, these days, no. But but back in the day, yes, when they actually played basketball in New York City. Um, but but you just, it didn't happen. And I don't know if you, you know, ever had conversations about the Buffalo Braves on the, uh, on the streets of, on the mean streets of uh, Chicktawaga. <laughs> well... Yeah, no. The funny, the funny thing is, I I associate the NBA with sort of like fast food. <laughs> it's exciting, yeah. but then you know, either an hour and a half later, you have a stomach ache or you're hungry for more. Yeah, you whereas, get a gas bubble. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas the NHL, it's like it's a fine, it's 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 fine dining, or it's 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 a meal. It's like uh, you know that comfort food that you love. Yeah, and you just keep going back to it, even though you know it's. It, sometimes it may be boring. Sometimes it may drive you crazy. Sometimes it'll give you heartburn, but you love it and you keep going back to it. And I think that's what the NHL is. And I mean, I know that Gary Bettman over the last few years has tried to make it more, you know, palatable to the masses, to more people. And I think that's why he's, you know, strived to keep the team in Arizona, a big mm-hmm. market. You know, Vegas, obviously. You know, maybe Seattle, um, but. The game's pretty good as it is, and I think I don't think it's ever going to get beyond being the regional sport that it is. I think you know at a certain point, the NHL has got to accept what they are and yep. embrace it. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, in 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 the perfect world for me, nobody whistles and dances down the street like in a Gene Kelly movie. They don't, um, but people do walk down the street. You know, they pick up litter, they talk sports. And then they go about their day, and and that it was nice to have that happen. So that was cool. And one last thing, I'm going to give a uh, birthday shout out to Jesse Orozco, 60 years old. Seems like he just retired from baseball. <laughs> Jesse Orozco, who who I said during his career looked like Manuel Noriega. He did, he did. But to Met fans, will always remember him throwing the the mitt up in the air when they clinched in '86. So. So that's it. I'll have to live with that memory for a very long time. Uh, just like the Rangers fans have to live with the, this is going to last a lifetime. I don't think Sam Rosen knew what he was saying at the time. Because so far that's that's held true. Maybe, maybe he did. Maybe he did. 
All right, that's it. That's it for Off the Post. We'll catch everybody next time. Thanks for listening, everybody. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.